0: You're listening to The Poncho Section, conversations about all things media and Mel Brooks. It's a podcast. And here's your hosts, Michael Canfer and Ethan Feldstein.
1: All right, since you're here today, Jacob, I'm going to try and use my, my broadcasting voice. Okay. I'll see how that works. We are joined today by Jacob Wilkins. Jacob, thank you for being here. Oh! <laughs> how'd, how'd I do? Oh, it was, it was so authentic.
0: It was. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's just a star has been born. No, I think it
1: was excellent. I think it's pretty terrible. I'm going to go back to my, oh, to yeah. my regular voice. But really, thank you for having us. Oh, here. good to and, see you guys again. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, we're happy yeah. to have you back, and happy to be in a. This is the first time I think we've had a change of location.
2: Yeah, that's not one of our apartments.
1: Yeah. Oh, had, well. So this is a whole new experience I'm for sure all, all a of a us. A whole new I'm world.
0: Doing, I'm sure I'm disappointed. No, no.
1: This is great. Yeah. thanks. It's excellent. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So what were we, what were we going to bring up today? I mean, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about I guess more of your personal experience in broadcasting. Right. Um, I know we were you we went you and me went to the beach yesterday so yes. we got we got some talking in there. Yeah. Um that was
0: that, our pre that was our production meeting. That's right. <laughs> that it was, was very, very old nice friend in the back. Right. <laughs> she's <laughs> yeah, the she she's a major contributor.
1: She slept the whole time. So she Jesus. was nice. <laughs> Well, you know, some producers do that. I mean, yeah. that's just, everyone's got a different style. Once we started talking sports, she was out. Uh, ah, yeah. that I felt it. bad
0: when we weren't, like, I, like, she seemed so comfortable, like, doing her own thing. Yeah. Like, if yeah. you see someone, they're just, like, sitting there, you're like, all right, let me explain to you, like, what my friend says. It's not, like, talking down to them, but, like, mm-hmm. trying to loop them in the conversation, but see, uh, Brian seemed totally content, like, not engaging in that. And yeah. And then, like, she <laughs> yeah, heard
1: something to put, uh, Piqued her interest, she jumped right in? Yeah. That, yeah, no, she was totally okay with that. Right. So, I think you had Brianna on the podcast, or your girlfriend.
2: Yeah, let's go for it. No, I mean, oh, you haven't. Have
1: oh, it. no, we haven't. That'd like, be interesting. She she walked in once while we were <laughs> recording, and I don't know if we left it in. We might have.
2: Um, I think both of them have been in the podcast in that capacity. Yeah, where accidentally. Where they walked in, like, right. in the room, and They're, they're extras. Yeah. <laughs> You, a, got the, you got the uh, the environment, you know, there's somewhere in the atmosphere. I mean, right, the, right. things are going to
1: happen, you know, there's going to be planes flying by, there's going to be people walking through, yeah, well, there's the we the be we're in the landing pattern of LaGuardia. No babies, <laughs> that, that I can
0: guarantee you, uh, that I know <laughs> of at least.
1: <laughs> Definitely. So yeah, we were talking, I guess, yesterday about, you know, broadcasting and how, and the industry itself, mm-hmm. and I guess in your experience, you know, trying to have a thick skin Mm-hmm. With, um, with certain, I mean, certain people you come across and, you know, trying to, I guess, showing your reels to people. Mm-hmm. Now, can you talk a little bit about, you know, that experience?
0: Yeah. So yeah. Um, by nature for folks that might not be as familiar with the industry, the way someone in public relations may have a portfolio or mm-hmm. someone in, medical school is doing a residency and, and demonstrating their abilities that way, you're really, in broadcasting, you're real as your calling card. Right. Uh, or And everyone, there was not one set way. I mean, there yeah. are different structures to it. I'm still learning the way. But, right. uh, yeah, so I'll send that out to various people. Mm-hmm. And actually an executive who I like a lot, uh, I was speaking with a few weeks back, Yeah. And he explained it best in saying, it's you're putting yourself, when you're in entertainment and sports, and this uh, broadcasting's mm-hmm. entertainment, uh, when you're putting uh, yourself out there, you are going without a safety net, which means if
1: you ask someone for their feedback, they can say anything. They can say anything they want. You're opening yep. yourself up
2: to criticism. Yeah, them. you're
1: totally exposed.
2: Yeah, and I, you know, I feel
1: like that's the same for actors too. Actors I would are going agree. through the same thing. Yep.
2: What's the process of, is there something similar to acting where you have to go in for, I guess, I mean, I'm sure there's some mm-hmm. sort of interview, but is it similar to acting where you go in and you do some sort of performance type of interview yeah. or does the portfolio yeah. itself speak for itself?
0: Right. So the, in acting, what I was going to just follow up on your point, Ethan, yeah. in, in that I would rather like go there, do something in person get their immediate feedback. If they think it sucks, at least I know exactly what we saw the same thing. What I find the challenge is in a reel, where usually at least that's what you're sending as the preliminary uh, component. Um, Whether you're reaching out to an agent, an executive, you're asking someone for feedback. Um, Things get lost in context. So I might put a clip in and someone might go, you got too excited early hmm. on hmm. well maybe that was the most exciting moment of the game right or you're affected by if you don't have a loud crowd then you may come across more excited mm-hmm. if you're at Duke or at a Penn State football game you, you, you want to rise over the crowd but you don't have to not that you would scream anyway And I don't think I'm a screamer type announcer that's not my style but obviously you have different backdrops but uh, as I'm uh, those are just excuses. I mean, at the end of the day, you're real, you you work with what you have, Mm -hmm. you um, try to package it the best you can. Right. Um, And then there's this sort of debate of some people think highlights are a waste um, because it's not reflective of an actual game, but sometimes people have short attention spans, so they might not want to listen to, uh, you know, four minutes, particularly... On, uh, on a video reel uh, because yeah. I keep my radio reels longer and don't really do highlights with them because I could listen to uh, a radio interview or a show and keep on doing work. Television, the person's actually required to obviously see it. Right. So, um, but at the end of the day, it's a subjective business.
2: Yes. Um,
0: it's like two people, if, if you have two bosses, they're in the same role and they might handle things totally differently. Okay. You might have a guy that's more outgoing. You might have a guy that's really nice. And it's no different in, in feedback, whether it's an actor or um, um, in broadcasting. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I try to take the optimistic view, is you just need one person to really like you. And I'm constantly tweaking the reel. I'm just making yeah. some more changes before you guys get here, got here. Um,
1: wow. just <laughs> to dedication. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, it's just constantly... Evolving. One thing I have that I thought this executive also said that was a really good suggestion, it will really compare feedback to a gift. And sometimes okay. you don't like the gifts you get back. <clears throat> oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting yeah. way to look at it. Yeah. yeah. Because people are offering it and they may not realize this isn't correlated in my case, but it does happen if someone, not even that they don't have a thick skin, mm-hmm. but people are human. Everyone wants to say, oh, yeah, give it to me straight. Yeah. I'll brush it off. I mean that's harder to do it's very tough to it's a human condition so when you put yourself out there to someone might be thinking they're giving you constructive feedback they just their colleagues said, hey why don't you take a look
2: mm-hmm.
0: you have someone's livelihood put in your hand right and that may like be devastating to them sure so on the other side you have to like that's where they're not taking it personally it's not they may have not meant to be uh, mean or malicious i don't think most people are right they're just sort of an impasse and here's what i thought Mm -hmm. you know they're not especially if you're not applying for a specific opening Mm -hmm. and michael i never answered your question and that there are sometimes auditions Mm -hmm. so i'm trying i'm actually so let's say it's a radio job at a college you probably don't need to audition they've heard your take then they're going to have you in Uh, to campus, meet with the coaches, meet with, sort of do a car wash of, like, here's a bunch of people, I don't think they would actually have you call a mock game. But, and obviously, if you've been, in your previous job, if you were, like, uh, working at whatever place for five years, I mean, they're assuming you know how to call a game. Sure. If you're potentially an ex-athlete looking to be an analyst, you know, let's say NFL, uh, Fox, CBS, whatever... You'll probably come in for, you know, a screen test. They just want to see how you interact with a play-by-play guy or how you interact with a host, you know, and that's a mock audition. And I did one recently for a job uh, I applied for, and it was, you know, a great experience. I like doing it. I'd rather, as I said, be in person.
1: Do it in person rather than send something
0: in? Absolutely. I mean, you have to send something in, but I'd rather be there. I think I can win over the room in person. Well, that's that's
1: good, and that's very confident because a lot of people might crack under pressure.
0: No, I'd, yeah, I'd rather I, I'd rather because I think a lot. There's just then then it's their environment, mm-hmm. you know.
1: Uh, there's nothing left to chance. There's nothing. Well, they're they're seeing everything right up close. Yeah, like no editing. Yeah. Nothing. It's yeah. it's all out there. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. So when you get certain feedback from people, mm-hmm. you know, positive or negative, how do you decide how what you're going to take? What you're like. I always think with, with any sort of feedback, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like you said, it's subjective. So, how do you decide, you know, what you're going to use, how you're going to improve your reel?
0: I am trying to
1: figure that out. You're trying <laughs> to figure that out?
0: Well, I, I feel like that's, <laughs> no, no, a, that's it, a tough thing. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's. I wouldn't know what to do. I think there are, even if you may not uh, love all the feedback, you usually can get one good thing. From someone, even in a conversation, or a couple of things that could be helpful. Right. I I think one way to break things down is to take away the subjective um, things like some people think you should use just your best stuff. Don't worry if it's a year ago or four years ago. Mm -hmm. Some people think you should use your most recent stuff. How I look at breaking it down is there are certain things where everyone has a different opinion on. That's Mm -hmm. hard to quantify. and say I'm going to follow your advice or your advice what I think uh, that this executive also brought up is the one that said feedback is a gift is you have to be careful who you send it out to because you probably uh, and I'm talking in terms of just getting feedback on work obviously if you apply for a job and it's required that's a different story right Um, and in most cases someone's if either they're going to Calling you in for a you know second interview or follow up or show interest, they're just not gonna they're not gonna critique it. Right. Um, but when you're looking for feedback, I think you, you want to really send it out. Or I'm trying to almost limit it to people you really trust. Meaning, not that they're gonna say exactly what you want to hear, but they're gonna communicate it. You know, they know how to communicate with you, mm-hmm. and so okay, their
1: message is going to be better received, and more effective. Um, so you're saying not just like a one-off thing, like you should do this, rather they give you more kind of, I guess, some sort of advice or tools where you can sort of improve upon? I don't mean exactly the content of what they're saying. Okay. I mean the way they're saying it. Okay. Um,
0: <laughs> and, and, and explaining it. Okay. Um, and especially like my buddy... Um, who works at Sirius Yeah, uh, Sean Butler, give him a shout out. He right. the He's a program director for NBA Radio at Sirius. Um, and I, we were able to talk about it in person, and that allows for a back and forth. Now, sure. sometimes I'll do that on the phone. But again, there's a comfort level. I implicitly trust what he's saying. Uh, he had a few suggestions, and that's actually what I'm going back and sort of working on. What becomes a challenge is... Becoming too reactionary to every, you know, in this last realization oh yeah. that everyone had a little bit of a different criticism. <laughs> and it doesn't mean they think the reels bad, but by nature, if you're asking people for feedback, they may just give you, like, what they, you know, think could be better. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and may assume, like, okay, you're at this level, let me just tell you what, you're, you could do better. But,
2: um, I lost my train of thought, but there was something valuable there. Uh, no, no, that's great <laughs> yeah. stuff. I think, yeah. Mike, did you have a question? So, yeah, I don't really have a question pertaining to how to get into the industry. But now that you are at least somewhere, I'm curious for you. I'm going to ask the bad interview question. What's the craziest story that you have? Like dealing with either somebody that you've interviewed or during a game that you've commentated on. Commentated? Is that a word? Sure. It is is now. Called. Uh, That you've called. What's like the craziest either event that you were at, yeah. or yeah. maybe you were trying to get a good interview and the, the process of getting that was insane or you were having a great interview with somebody and all of a sudden something happened yeah, and you're just water. like what <laughs> what's happening and if you don't want to give names that's, that's okay. completely understandable yeah I'm
0: trying to think of crazy Appropriate.
2: Uh, you could describe <laughs> you could
1: describe something or describe someone without actually giving anything away. No,
0: no, you no. Know, that's that. I'm not concerned. Uh, I, okay. That I'll be able to self-edit. Okay, uh, I'm trying it doesn't to need think, to be PG either. Right, right. I'm trying Francis. to think. There was the Renegades game that I did. The Hudson Valley Renegades. Um, we had a couple of players on the team: Robert Dickman, Steve Hiscock, mm-hmm. and so there was a pitching change in the middle of the game. And uh, I just calmly said, Well, his cock replacing Dickman on the rubber. <laughs> <laughs> and I I didn't know. And RGM called us down after the game. He's like, Yeah, he just said and I'm like, Oh, I don't know what what happened. And he, I mean he He's, thought I think he thought it was funny, but he was just like, Yeah, don't, don't say that again. So <laughs> Oh well, that's great.
2: That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Those, oh. those are a couple of funny ones.
1: That's great stuff.
2: That's awesome oh here's a question let's tie it back to the original one if you had to give any advice to somebody who is trying to to make it in like you you're saying you have like these pretty good people that you can trust and rely right. upon to get advice from who right. what would you say to somebody who's trying to get it, get into this car- kind of career
0: yeah it's interesting someone asked me this um i did an interview yesterday i usually don't have interviews back to back days. Uh, this, is big this is a big interviews. week for you. You're very, this is very, very, hard, very exciting. in demand this is week. Very exciting. <laughs> uh, I will say for the on-air side of of the business, um, if you if you're not all in, don't do it. Mm. Not as a discouraging. It's just not worth it. Right. <laughs> There's a lot of better things, uh, not better, but different things you could do and probably be very fulfilled. Um, This is my bad marriage uh, that hopefully will improve, uh, you know, since I was 13. Um, So I think commitment, uh, dedication are huge and just wanting to break in. Being a self-starter, it's really a self-discipline sort of thing, especially when you're trying to get a career off the ground. Uh, There's no natural next step to graduate school uh, to medical school to law school there's no um you know even like a teacher okay here yeah you're going to apply to the school and then you're going to go you know mm-hmm. and teaching's great I and be that schedule i think they're, they're the most noble people my mother was a teacher but yeah i think dedication a uh, uh, commitment and and something sure. i'm trying to learn is a bit of patience
1: hmm yeah. yeah,
0: well that that's very important.
1: And it's that, not
2: my uh, strongest forte. Well,
1: that's a problem with our entire generation, according to this guy I saw on the internet once. Oh yeah, yeah. Is, <laughs> this... is it
2: our problem with avocado toast?
1: Is that is yeah. that a problem? Is apparently,
2: that... if we stop getting avocado toast, apparently we'll be able to buy houses. Is that who said that? Oh, because S-
0: folks are so into that.
2: Somebody I don't I love remember. Avocado. I want to say it was a not. I don't want to get uh, political, but I think it was a Republican. Who said something like that? That mm-hmm. if we just would stop buying avocado toast, we would be able to, you know, get houses and health insurance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, all that kind of stuff. Avocados
1: have gone up in prices. That's true. Yeah, but they're delicious. But that that's a whole other topic. Yeah.
2: Um, you said you started this at thirteen. Uh-huh. What? Why? Why did you want to get into this? Like, what was the what spurred you to want to take on this this type of career? Well. I
0: wanted to be a car salesman up until I was in fifth grade. Interesting. I love cars. I still do. Yeah. Uh, Ethan's gone with me to the auto Yeah, show. it's a great time. Uh, I go every year. I get motor trends around here somewhere. <laughs> uh, I mean, now it's a hobby, and, uh, but I would go with my dad to showrooms, you know, and when I was, like, seven and just, like, ask really, uh, Specific questions that surprise uh, <laughs> dealers. Uh, like, does this have the remote keyless entry or is it is it standard or optional? People are like, huh? You know, like
1: seven years old, yeah, seven year yeah. old asking that. <laughs>
0: I was I always a savant. And so, somewhere along the way, I got into sports a little bit later, I think, in like fourth or fifth grade, mm-hmm. where you really understand it. I think fifth grade, I really started to understand it. Yeah. And from there, I was never very good at sports as a kid, but I always had the conversational knack down. And I don't know where it clicked. Yeah. I mm-hmm. honestly can't remember the point where it was like I want to do that. But when it did click, it clicked. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I got this book, The Art of Casting, for as a graduation present. Oh, it was very cool. By this guy Tom Hendrick. He's a broadcaster, or I think a retired broadcaster in Kansas. Mm-hmm. He talked about how broadcasters used to bring a tape recorder to um, the game, like a Marv Albert or someone like that would bring a tape recorder growing up and practice broadcasting the game into a tape recorder. Um, And so I started doing that and would bring a tape recorder to the Yankee games we would go to or whatever game we would go to. (laughs) Uh, And we, for a while, had... Like my dad would buy into a package uh, of Yankee games, let's say 10 games, and we always had, we had three tickets, so it was me, my dad, and usually it was a family friend that bought a majority of the, them, but whoever it was, we usually didn't have my dad as a color analyst, he was a little too goofy, uh, and it seemed <laughs> a little too nepotistic, uh, but that person was like the de facto color analyst. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, and people sort of, like, you would think they would be annoyed, but, like, people sort of thought it was charming. Huh. Yeah. It's bit like, yeah, they were...
1: And not to be... Um, over- well, Yankee fans yeah. are great fans. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I
0: think it, it works at... We like, were also, we were lower level. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay.
2: It works at a, a baseball game, I think. it just, uh, that's one of those sports where... Talking about the game while it's going on is just—I feel like part of the game when you're there. Yeah, Yeah. I feel like that—that always happens whenever, whenever you go. You just—yeah,
0: it's crazy to think about though. In retrospect, it wasn't like actually—it wasn't like I was in the upper deck, like where no (laughs) one else was, and like doing my own thing. Like I was in a crowd of people attending a Yankee (laughs) game uh, with a tape recorder and a microphone and literal prep. That's um, great. But it helped my voice get better. It did. That's really sure.
1: interesting. Did you ever interview fans about, no, about how their beer we tasted? Didn't do, we didn't do man on this.
0: We, <laughs> we didn't have a third sideline reporter <laughs> to, uh, to uh, go around and uh, find out about what the, uh, the latest pastry was at the game.
1: <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> so was there anyone in particular that was an inspiration to you growing up? that someone Mm. that you were like I want to do that or want to be like that guy I love Dick Enberg growing up yeah me too I Mm. like Dick Enberg yeah Uh, I read his book Oh My Mm -hmm.
0: was I in college by then he was definitely a guy see that you need a catchphrase Mm. see I don't think you need a catchphrase that's but Dick Enberg had a catchphrase he did but it was a very authentic one yeah you know you can't manufacture it Mm. if I ever have something like that it will just be because I've said it enough times Mm-hmm. And I like saying it, yeah, but uh, I don't believe. You know, when you look at and and Dick Emberg's one is great. I mean, Oh My is just yeah. great. Sure. <laughs> but you also have great, you know broadcasters like Mike Tirico, Chris Fowler, mm-hmm. Brent Musburger. Well, Brent has you are looking live. I mean, but those are the old fashioned guys. Have those? They're those are great. I mean Gary Cohen does ad here. I mean, but I don't know. I don't. I don't have one. I'm not
2: looking for one.
0: Right. Um, Are you
2: saying you're not going to try to craft your own? And boom goes the dynamite.
0: No, <laughs> I'm not, not going to go Brock <laughs>
1: on, on us. Yeah. So I you're want Anchorman. It. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> you stay classy, right you Stay, at the stay end. classy. Yeah. yeah, that would get old quickly. Yeah. Um, so now I guess we're in, we're in July, this will be coming out in a few weeks, yep. so we have the upcoming NFL season, and we're all football fans here, mm-hmm. so I figured that, that's something we could talk a little bit about. I know right now Wimbledon is going on, but I don't think we have enough interest in tennis to really go into too much detail about that, so we'll, we'll <laughs> right. go straight to football. Right. And we were actually talking yesterday about the upcoming season and the broadcasters, some new broadcasters in the booth. Mm-hmm. And some kind of, some shifts that have happened. Right. And the big thing is on, I believe it's CBS, where Tony Romo mm-hmm. is going to be replacing Phil Sims. Mm-hmm. Is that right? So he'll be moving up with Jim Nance to the, yeah, did you hear about this? Mike is shaking his head. What? Yeah. Yeah, this is news to him. So yeah, this might doing? be news to a lot of people. living under a rock? Yeah, so...
2: Why, why, yeah. why would they do that
1: yeah so Tony Romo and Jim Nance would mm-hmm. be the number one team
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that means guys below so who who were we talking to? the second team I'm forgetting who's the second team for, for CBS uh, right now it
0: was last year. Iron Eagle and Dan
1: Fouts Ryan Eagle and Dan Fouts okay so having Romo as moving up retiring and moving directly to the number one team what I mean that seems a little strange to me what, what are your thoughts on that
0: well, I don't want to get into critiquing like specific. When when you're trying to get a job at a higher level, you're probably right. better off not uh, critiquing those that have those jobs. <laughs> right, and we <laughs> but, can
1: and we can cut this out if you're uncomfortable. With no,
0: no, it. no. I I think I can give you a general sense. Obviously, uh, former players. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tony, let's talk about Tony Romo. What makes him okay? Important. I don't want, um, diminish Phil Sims' ability. Who was. in in that role for 20 years. Right. Um,
1: Great former Giants quarterback,
0: Phil Simms. That's why
2: I'm just like so shocked that like, really? I mean, uh, well, sorry, continue.
0: Obviously, you have a guy in in Romo who um, is a Dallas Cowboys quarterback, Mm -hmm. a contemporary, he's I think, you know, in his 30s, late 30s. Yeah. So he can comment exactly... Um, thing, you know, he played with these guys from one or two years ago. It's hard to find contemporary, not just contemporary, but star players. Right, that's and that, that's a very good point. That's I hadn't,
1: true. I hadn't thought about that originally, and that's very good. Yeah, a yeah.
0: good looking, good looking guy. You know, mm-hmm. in terms of the the eye test, like, mm-hmm. which is important on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is what Sean McManus has said. You know, you pair who's the CBS sports chairman. You pair him with someone like Jim Nance. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that they, they feel like you know Jim makes. Anyone look good, you know? So it's a safe, um, you know, sort of landing spot. Mm. But I think he's acknowledged, you know, he's going to have to do a lot of work like he would if he was preparing for something new in general. Right. Uh, I mean, this is no joke. When you're the number one guy and Mm. it's just you. For instance, we talked about Jay Cutler, yeah. the former Bears quarterback is now in Fox's number two
1: booth with yeah. Kevin
0: Burkhart and Charles Davis, yeah. who is
1: a uh, veteran analyst. And that's another example of a contemporary, too.
0: Right, but it, it's a little different, A, when there is a separate panache to being on the number one team. Number two gets great games, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. And in the NFL, everything balances out anyway. You never know what teams are going to be good. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the, the depth chart gets a little uh, over over analyzed in general but number two let's say on the historical is is a very high team but he he doesn't have to be the number one Troy Aikman has been in that role for a while he's not going anywhere Mm -hmm. and Cutler's team with a veteran analyst in Charles Davis a veteran play-by-play guy in Kevin Burkhart that is a safer landing zone Romo is going to be doing the top game the national exclusive game at 4 p.m. a lot of the time he's going to be doing Thursday night um and uh, this is really the first time something like that's been done ever where you just jump into a two-man booth. Boomer and left um, the playing field and went right into the Monday Night Football booth with Al Michaels and I believe Dan Fowles, actually, at the time. Oh, uh, or okay. Or and Michaels, something like that. Yeah. So there was still a three-man booth. So it will be really um, interesting to, to see. mm mm-hmm. um, but one thing that I think they, that makes it a little bit easier for athletes as well yeah. is that they are used to being coached. So if you're open to being coached by a producer, and yeah. a director, uh, then you know they can teach you the tricks of the trade. Okay. Uh, though it takes a while to get adjusted to television and talking in and out of you know quick sound bites, particularly with the pace of an NFL game. Uh, but again, da- the Cowboys are America's team. You have, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> everyone has an opinion, and you have who came up with very that? Good, why, why is that? a very good uh, quarterback from the Dallas Cowboys? I mean, that is
1: th- you can't. Debatable. Them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is Eli interested in broadcasting? You no. Know, you know, so. uh, yeah, that, that's a whole other conversation. Eli's still out there. He's still playing. Yes. So he'll, be, yes, he he'll be there for a while. Speaking
2: of which, yeah. I wanted to get your uh, opinions on New York football. And I think it's safe to say that it's it's kind of bad uh, for, for all teams, some way worse than others. And do you see any way in which these teams can be fixed? And how would you do it? Is there any hope? You mean Central. football. Correct. The New, New York, York
0: football team. Well, I think the Giants are in good shape.
2: I think so too. <laughs> yeah, I, would, I don't
0: think I have no issue. I don't think <laughs> there's there's an issue how they're looking coming into the early compared to last year. I mean, uh, Beckham Junior certainly provides some distractions. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, will. he still is. Yeah, nothing criminal, you know. Sure. Uh, but that we not, know of.
0: Not sh-
1: <laughs> uh, you said it, yeah. Not showing up to
0: certain events and obviously holding out or whatever you call it. You know, didn't show up for the voluntary OTAs. At the end of the day, if he performs, uh, people will forget. People aren't going to care. Yeah. Fair. If you are on a boat and then you don't show up in terms of, like, not literally show up, but you don't perform on the field in a big playoff game or just continue not to be... Uh, there or, or right. noticeable in big playoff games, then, then you know, you're going to take the heat. That's just the way it goes. The rest is is water under the bridge. So, but I think the Giants are, um, I mean, McAdoo is a, a very good coach. Uh, he, he certainly sort of comes from that Mike McCarthy tree. Yes. He's not the exuberant. He's not the personality plus of a Rex Ryan, but you know, a Yeah. Well, Kaufman, yeah, was a unique, uh, really distinct personality, but yes. in a much more strict way. I mean, <laughs> Tom Coughlin and Rex Ryan are nothing alike.
1: No, <laughs> uh,
0: Tom's much more old fashioned. Yeah, um, Tom comes from that Bill Parcells sort of entertaining, uh, you know, type, or Dick Vermeil, or or whatever. Um, so I think the Giants are, are a team to look out for. Uh, I mean, they've tried to bolster, I think, the offensive line, or they, they have yeah. To see works. Yeah,
1: I never like to sound too confident before the season, so yeah. I go into it with an open mind. But yeah, I'm liking what I'm seeing. All right, yeah. yeah. So, so that, that's fair. Let's, now let's, now let's the move Jets, on to your yeah. your guys's team. The other now, the
0: other team. Well, the Jets. Yeah, they're, they're maybe the the half isn't so, uh, or the glass isn't so half full. Uh, amongst <laughs> that's the one Banders. way to put it. Yeah. And, and certainly, it all comes down to the quarterback position, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't have a quarterback, it's going to be very hard to succeed in the league. Certainly. And the Jets have not had that premier quarterback mm-hmm. for a very long time. Uh, yeah, they since thought since they had it, it with Mark Sanchez. They didn't. They Ryan Fitzpatrick got a terrific one-year, right. but obviously it uh, came the imploding – Uh, (laughs) That's an understatement. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was was, was not a stronger second year. Um, I know, not personally, but know Christian Hackenberg well in terms of he went to Penn State, my alma mater. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of different talk, and he was taken with the second-round pick. There's been a lot of different talk. Some say he's not accurate. Some say he's making progress. At the end of the day, I don't believe he took the field last year, which tells you something. I mean... That job was open to be just had. Right. But, yeah, they've got to get that position worked out. Some say, let's wait another year to get There's some really strong quarterbacks. In next year's draft, Sam Darnold from USC, who I saw in person when I went to the Rose Bowl to watch Penn State play USC, and he single-handedly delivered one of the more uh, gut-wrenching losses for Nittany (laughs) Lions fans. (laughs) Yeah, so I think that's where it all starts with – with the Jets and yeah. and look, they've let a lot of veterans go. So I think there's a clear direction of building from the ground up. You know, Mike sure. McCagney came in, and it was let's bring in Revis. You know, some really uh, exciting signings, but um, short term uh, or or it was an, a win now team. They yep. didn't win now, right? And so they are. And and McCagney would probably say, listen, we were still building while those guys were in those positions. But look, I mean, Rivas being cut, Eric Decker, mm-hmm. uh, Marshall's gone. Yeah, I mean, yep. very few a yeah, one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there's
2: there's I don't very know the, few pieces left. I don't know the statistics of it, but how often is it that a new-ish team, so a new quarterback just playing on the field without maybe having a few years underneath a veteran, same thing with the, the, the other positions. How often does it work out that that becomes a winning team. I mean, I don't know what the, the statistics really are for that. Meaning if a guy is is um, learning under a veteran and then come, or, or not learning? Correct, yeah. The the, the difference between maybe a, a top uh, new quarterback maybe working under a veteran for right. a few years as opposed to just being campaign. thrown into the fire? Exactly. <clears throat> it will happen well, this year with,
1: with Dak Prescott. On the right. It's changed
0: the whole view of that. Or at least how teams think of it has changed dramatically. It used to be, I would think, under you know the Parcells type teams or yes. just old the older teams. Green Bay too. Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers though was an exception in this day and age. Yeah. To he learn under Favre. but it, but, it <laughs> but it worked. I don't know if Favre taught him that much,
1: but he was there. He was there. Um, <laughs> he, he was on the team. <laughs> he was on the team. Uh,
0: but uh, you know, um, but yeah, Rodgers is one of the exceptions. Compared to oh Dak Prescott, did he? Well, Eli was an exception, or he at least was. It was in the middle of the first year. But look at now, Andrew Luck. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a lot now. There's a lot now, and it's almost like, oh wait, he's not ready to come. Like if you're a top draft pick and and, and you can't play Carson Wentz, yeah, guys that have succeeded. So the learning curve has just been
1: and sometimes expedited. Though, right? But then sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes you get Gino. Well, you get Gino. But, but did, I don't think Gino, Gino was a
0: starter off the bat. No,
1: Gino wasn't a starter no. off the bat. But you had. Um, I'm trying to think of another example. Russell Wilson was one though that was successful. He started right off the bat, right? Did oh, Russell? Yes. I, I think he was. Yes.
0: Yeah, right a lot of times it was. Uh, yeah, he just he, he outplayed. I forgot who it was. I don't know if it was Hasselbeck or someone, but he might totally have been outplayed. Outplayed the guy, and that was one he won in training camp. Mm-hmm. Prescott was because what's his name, uh, Kellen White, I think, Kellen mm-hmm. someone for the kid from Oregon. I think he played for the Jets. Yeah, uh, got injured, and they like it was like all right, down to you. Right. So um, right. Right. Yeah. So Dak came in, and and he already was was showing strong signs in the preseason. They said, why not? Right. Uh, and obviously, Romo was hurt. Um Hmm. Uh, Oh, yeah, that's how it went. I'm sorry, I'm bringing up the Kellen guy. Romo, Romo was got hurt, hurt late. Mm-hmm. I think Kellen was in the mix, but Dak was out playing him, mm-hmm. and he got the job, or both got injured. But, yeah, it was Romo's injury that precipitated that. Yeah. So it, Dak Prescott was – I mean, there were plenty of quarterbacks picked ahead of him.
1: Sure. Yeah. Uh,
0: and to bring it full circle – to our discussion earlier about broadcasting and getting noticed or acting and getting noticed, it's not always the number one draft pick that, or the guy that everyone has their eyes on that ends up succeeding. Sure. I mean, Dak Prescott took advantage of an opportunity, and now he's a star. Mm-hmm. I was watching uh, 60 Minutes yesterday. Uh, it was a rerun, but a, a segment. Uh, I'm Brian Cranston. Oh, um, the best. <laughs> right? Well, the, easy to say now. But Brian Cranston was a working actor, a journeyman type actor, until at least his mid forties with Malcolm in the middle. And mm-hmm. then really the star role in Breaking Bad came at fifty. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and now he's on a roll. Yeah. No, but it, do you think and this is always a debate, do you think Brian Cranston got dramatically better from thirty-two to forty-five? I don't know. He got noticed. He got noticed finally. He got noticed the right by the right role. people. Yep. and
1: and that's the same in the right uh, uh, plot. And mm-hmm. and and luck, you know, things things come together. It happened with Tom Brady, right? Uh, Tom Brady's a great example. Yeah, he, I mean, he he is Aaron the example. Aaron Rodgers.
0: I mean, no one will forget the. And I always was a pro Aaron Rodgers guy because he mm-hmm. went to Cal, and my cousins are from Berkeley. But no one will forget him sitting in the green room and basically sweating uh, profusely as guys came off the board and mm-hmm. then we didn't obviously hear from him for another couple of years as he learned under Favre um, so yeah it's a totally different
1: and that that's all about patience right all yeah. comes back to patience there you
0: go. patience yeah, yeah. patience and, and positioning yourself for success
1: yeah I think that's that's our theme for today's episode uh, is uh, patience I'm down with that Yeah, <laughs> I'm
2: curious so do you have both as a fan and as as For your profession, do you have a favorite uh, game that you've either commented on as well as were just a fan and watched?
0: Yeah. um, I'm trying to think of games that I've called uh, where one would stand out. I mean, going back to college, doing some of those games for the radio station Mm -hmm. uh, was pretty wild. You know, Beaver Stadium for the student radio station. Uh, I just love a good game. I mean... That's where I really know I love the play-by-play. Uh, it's not about the level. I remember what I called the Stony Brook women's basketball game. I just love going to different venues and just like um, seeing the crowd. We So Stony Brook played at Iowa State. That crowd on a, a wintry Sunday day, was it was like 10,000 plus. Um, <laughs> wow. A lot of people and a loud crowd in Ames. Wow. Wow. Um, I don't know if they sold out, but they were pretty close. I forgot what the, that, that arena holds. And that was a blast to call. I mean, what a cool environment to be able to see. So I just love going to different um, uh, games and, and calling them. And I'll tell you, I, I, had a, I thoroughly enjoyed just doing uh, this LIU Brooklyn the baseball games I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some really... These kids wanted it. It was so authentic. Um, not to sound too corny, but... No. Unfortunately, the team didn't make the playoffs. They had a chance. They needed a split of a four-game series and... and got, they, they talk about dramatic. This would qualify under like crazy games. Mm-hmm. Um, so they won game one, came back from down 6 nothing, picked up a win. Not as uncommon in college baseball, by the way, to make up that sort of deficit... Um, But still, it was a big win. Then the second game, they jumped out to a 4 nothing lead on this team. Um, uh, what was Sacred Heart, yeah. And they came back to tie it with a grand slam. And then I want to say in the 7th or 8th, LIU took the lead. So they're up 5-4, to four, mm-hmm. two outs, guy gets a single, next guy is a two-run homer. And they <laughs> lose that game 6-5. And then they lost the, 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 the next two. Uh, It was the second game of a doubleheader and and didn't make the playoffs. And the emotion on these guys' faces uh, uh, was so uh, authentic in the way they really cared for each other. And just the, it it was, you know, that was their season. And for many, that was their career. And I just love talking with the manager. You know, most coaches are just so passionate about what they're doing Mm -hmm. that I just love sort of moseying up and it's important for my preparation. But talking with them about their team you know that's where it, whether it's the New York Yankees or L. I. U. Brooklyn or Stony Brook yeah, I mean that's where the the craft just like an actor the, the, the craft the preparation has to be the same you know the same intensity you can't yeah. uh, subject you know well it's only this level so I'm only going to do you know put this work in It that, it's all about your professionalism and your reputation for games that I've been at as a fan now those are easy to come up with Mm-hmm. <clears throat> 1999, we didn't have any season tickets to Yankee games. We would go to one game a year uh, or so. And um, my dad says, so I'm in fifth grade. He goes, well, we're going to go to the Expos game. Now, the Expos were a really bad
1: team. Yeah, uh, so bad they don't <laughs> exist anymore. Yeah. So
0: bad they have been, uh, now they're a really good team in Washington. Yeah, <laughs> um, But my dad and I, the one saving grace was that, and so I was like, Montreal? But yeah. the one saving grace was that it was Yogi Berra day. Okay. Nice. And that was the Yankees had reconciled with Yogi Berra. Susan Waldman, mm-hmm. at the time, was FAN's beat reporter, had sort of, you know, Yogi didn't come to the stadium for 14 years. Yeah. Uh, hmm. At one point, um, was angry at George, and George uh, came up to his museum, and I'm sure made a uh, sizable donation, and, um, and and they were able to and and. Yogi was coming back, I think, for the first time to the stadium, or at least he was being honored. And yeah. Don Larson was in attendance. They reenacted the first that that perfect game uh, huh. moment, from right, 1956. And uh, so they go up to the wherever they're watching the game. And my dad and I would even find like things we just love, like the way Bob Shepard, the late Yankee pinch would say Rondell White. He I mean, was the best. Rondell White. Well, it was great. Uh, Vlad Guerrero though was cool, but in any case, I'm I'm totally um, pontificating. It was David Cohn's perfect game. That's <clears throat> right. That's right. The thirty. Uh, that you know, I can't remember where my keys are most mornings, but the thirty-three-minute <laughs> delay. Every moment of that game, I remember vividly, and I remember I really couldn't see the ball being mm. caught. I don't think I don't know if I was standing on my dad's arms uh, mm. or standing on a chair, but it was really hard to see. Because everyone was standing. Yeah. And so that was amazing. And so uh, that was topped. What was it topped? In a very different way. Yeah, I guess you'd have to put this one even higher. In the playoffs, you were, when you were sort of, my dad was buying into this season ticket package with a bunch of people. And you're Mm -hmm. like, Randomly given games, which by the way, is, is you don't take for granted. I mean, most people would love to go to one playoff game. So Absolutely. I don't, I don't say it from the standpoint, it was, it was a very fortunate uh, thing. Mm-hmm. And so we were, they award you like one game each round. Game, I think we got like game one of the division series, which, you know. that is this the
1: same year? 2003.
0: This, this is 2003.
1: 2003, yeah. Okay. I yeah. think I, I think I might have been at that game. Is this, uh, we talking, uh, The first game of the series? Uh, Well, that was one of the games. Okay, uh, that was one. Game one or two.
0: I I forgot. That wasn't... That's not the memorable game. Okay. Then we were told at the beginning, like, you get game seven of the LCS and game seven of the World Series, and we're like, oh, darn. Like, what's the chances of getting one game seven, nonetheless, two? You know, you always sort of want guaranteed games, so you know you're going to go. Right. Yeah. And uh, in 03, the Yankees... uh, got to a 7th game with the Boston Red Sox. Um, oh, okay. I remember this. And, yeah, this was the, the the most amazing game to be at. Yankees, remember, Boston had not been to the World Series at that point in 86 or 85 years
1: Yankees were up 3 nothing right in the series. They are up 3 nothing in the no, series. No, you're, you're thinking of the next year. You're thinking of '04. 4 I'm thinking of, okay, all right. Got my years mixed up. In three
0: <laughs> uh it just got to a Game 7. I forgot exactly how the series... Progress to that. But uh, yeah, 04 Yankee fans are trying to forget. Uh, but in 03, so it's game seven, and Roger Clemens, I believe, is pitching, and uh, the Yankees are down like 4 0 early. Pedro Martinez is on the hill. So it's like, oh, boy this is, I mean, how are you going to score off him? And the Yankees down 5 2. And that was a game, by the way, and I wish I could find the tape. I, I have not been able to. I think we lent it to someone or and, and never got it back where I did do the game into my tape recorder. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that would be great to find. I know. That would be awesome. And it was our friend Bob Bernstein, our dear friend, uh, and, and um, I think my dad might have been involved in the broadcast. Uh, and so five... Uh, the mock broadcast, I should say. Right. We didn't have have rights to the game. (laughs) Uh, And obviously, so that was the Aaron Boone game.
2: Yeah.
1: That's.
0: But the loudest, actually, or stadium, sports venue, well, two of them that I've been in, Beaver Stadium from a college football standpoint, Mm -hmm. I think the triple overtime Michigan game. But I'd still give, in terms of the loudest roar for one moment, uh, was um, the Jorge Posada two-run bloop single, to tie it. <laughs> to tie The it. anticipation <laughs> of the ball in the air and then falling. I've never heard a crowd like that. Right. It was... it was, that, that The Aaron Boone thing, it was the begin the, the home run was the beginning of an inning. So it was like everyone was just sort of getting settled. And I, I don't think I even saw exactly where it landed. It was like, oh, okay. But that came had everything. Mariano Rivera doing pitching three innings. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the big double play when Mike Musina came in in relief um, to get out of a jam when... Boston could have made it worse. And right. But the yeah. game out of reach. Obviously, a game that cost Grady Little, the Red Sox manager, his job because they felt um, that he left Pedro in too long. <laughs> I think that was the... I always get confused if he took him out too quickly or left him in. I think they they felt he left him in too long. And he was he was saying, I'm going to go down with my best. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, that was probably an incredible... Uh, that was an incredible game to be at. This year, not at the same level, but my dad and I were at uh, a Yankees-Orioles game where the Yankees were down 8-1. to one. And we're like, we were already booking our plans to go to like Martha's Bakery here in Astoria. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to leave after the seventh <laughs> inning. And, right. You know. And in in the sixth, the Yankees made it 9-4. to four. It was like, okay. okay, let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. In the seventh, Baltimore extended their lead to 11-4. to four. Okay, and we're like, all right, we'll stay through this inning. You know how those games—you know—if you're the game's feels like it's over, and sure, and then the Yankees, Ellsbury hit a grand slam to make it eleven to eight. It's like obviously we're staying. Yeah, right? yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't take much for me. I, I like to stay at games in general. Sure, my yeah. dad doesn't all the time. No, um, I always
1: like to stay for yeah. the whole game. But know.
0: it was when it was eight one. Well, you're like, okay, you know, we can, yeah yeah get with with exceptions with exceptions. But no, once it got to eleven eight, Yankees then tied it in the ninth. Uh, to make it a little 11 11. Uh, and
2: uh, Matt Holiday hit a home run uh, in the bottom of the tent and they won it.
0: That's crazy. And that game had a little bit of everything.
2: Yeah. It's funny. I have a similar situation with the ticket where you just you get a ticket. You don't know if it's going to be in a, in one of those yeah. kind of crazy games. Yeah. Every year we would, for, for a few years in a row, we would always go to a Yankee game for my brother's birthday. Sure. A few years back, just get. The tickets for the months ahead of time, to because it's we know it's his birthday's in August, so we're going to go to an August game. Right. Turned out to be Jeter's two thousand. Really? Wow. What year was?
0: Uh, what year was that? <sighs> I know my, my friend honestly, went to Jeter's <clears throat> three thousand. He was telling oh, me. Oh, three how. was
2: it the three thousand? Well, that's a big distinction. The it was the it was <laughs> There's a big difference. It was the more that yeah. was the three thousand. The one
0: where he hit the home run. Yes. Wow, so that was a three against the race. Can
2: you tell I'm not a big sports ball fan? No. (laughs) Uh, Yes, it was uh, the 3,000. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And uh, that was pretty nuts. And I remember for a little while after we are like, we should leave now, right? Because first off, it it just worked out that the seats were right in the sun the whole game. So part of us were like, we just saw the most exciting thing that's going to happen this entire game. Should we stay? Well, yeah. la- or should we go? Yeah. We ended up leaving. Thing. Yeah. Oh. Okay. But um, I remember that that was pretty crazy. When I mean, well, what a way to get your three thousand with a home run. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It completely worked As out. It it yeah, three thousand with an exclamation yeah, point. And yeah. it had we had no clue that that was going to happen when we clearly bar- Based on, on bar- the tickets, later, yeah. 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 Well, n- now
1: we're all telling Yankee stories. My I guess my big Yankee story besides going to a playoff game, which okay. was. I, I thought it was 2003, but I might have my years mixed up. It was when they played the Angels, and they only won one game. It was the first round, right. and I went right, to the right. one game that they won where Bernie Williams hit yes, two home 2002. runs. 2002, yeah, 2002. 2002. So that was – I mean, I that was my only playoff game, mm-hmm. and I've never been in a stadium that electric. like. And Bernie was Bernie was my favorite player. But going back, I think it was 96 or 97, uh, it was Yankees against the Seattle Mariners who had – they had A-Rod at the time, and they also had Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. He used to always get booed at Yankee Stadium. And, you know, he's out in center field, and some fan, or not fan, jumps, <laughs> jumps over and runs and tries to attack him. He, like, runs onto the field. Oh, he runs to ter- the field. Yeah, yeah, runs towards Ken Griffey, and then security guards tackled him. <laughs> so that was the most exciting thing that happened to me. I never saw anything crazy, no perfect games, no 3,000 home runs. But I did see a fan almost attack Ken Griffey Jr. So nice. That's my Yankee game story. There you go.
2: <laughs> Is there a specific sport that you prefer to uh, call, or does it have to do completely with that that game itself and the fans and the right. just the, the reaction of that specific day?
0: Yeah, I'm always trying to be a versatile broadcaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ultimate goal is to do games at a network level where you're doing, you know, whether it's baseball and football, or baseball, college, football, golf, PGH, you know, just covering events, all right. sorts of different things. But from a consistent standpoint of it, if you said like, "What sport?" Mm-hmm. Now, let's, look, let's isolate football for a sec, because that's obviously once a week. But baseball is to me the, uh, the ultimate broadcaster sport. I grew up around baseball. I love all the dynamics of calling a game. I don't think I would be a great hockey announcer. Uh, uh, I love college hoops. Um, and and so um, college football, I, I think, is great. But, yeah, so while I love, at the end of the day, it's about the games and the stories. Uh, baseball is, I think, if you can do baseball, you can do almost anything. You look at the great announcers, Dick Denberg, Dick Stockton. Mm-hmm. Uh just the 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 drama of the moment is, is something else. Awesome.
1: No love for tennis. No
0: love <laughs> tennis. For ten- is great. <laughs> tennis is great. I would say it's funny, you like you don't see a lot of crossover in the golf tennis world. Yeah. I mean, like I know golf better than but I I I There's I crossover football Wimbledon and tennis today. though.
1: There's football and tennis. Yeah. Seems like, which is interesting. Doesn't well, like, really make
0: a lot of things. Tariko. Yeah. No, I mean you. Chirico does everything yeah mm-hmm. I, I mean uh, no 10 Wimbledon's great
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. all those events are great have you ever so called we'll a um, a European football game soccer, soccer. Uh, oh yeah sure not in
0: the Europe, Europe but we call it sh- soccer, soccer here, here in America <laughs> like, I've done a plenty of uh, soccer games yeah. uh,
1: at the collegiate yeah. level yeah I'd be totally lost there because I, I don't follow soccer at but all. Done wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you are done wrestling. I did a track and field championship last year. Oh, we were very We on the cool. air for seven
0: hours. Uh, wow. Well, well, we, it was me. Wow. <laughs> it was great. I thought it was, the, the Patriot League did a great job. And uh, the guys there, it was at Bucknell, um, that produced it, uh, did it were, were great. And they had all these different segments planned. Yeah, it was Patriot League and this company called Campus Insiders. Um and I loved it. You know, to me I'll take on anything. Uh track and field, you know. Uh, I I didn't, you know, if I, if I don't know a sport, I'll learn it. Um and uh
2: yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. That's Excellent. great. Yeah. Did you have anything else? I'm good, I think. I'm liking these uh these little like bullet points that we're getting not bullet points like s- phrases and sayings like it's all about patience and taking on anything. You're turning yeah. into a self-help podcast. Yeah. yeah. Which is a very
1: lucrative business. That'll be our next episode. Next episode. Self-help with just us. Yep. We'll give you guys some advice. (laughs) Well, thanks for doing this, Jacob. We really appreciate it, as always. And thanks for doing our, our brand new intro that you guys... Just heard, I guess. Yeah. Before this episode now, started.
0: Now, if this podcast takes off, do I get a royalty cut from that intro?
1: We'll, we'll have that. We'll have, to... we'll have that conversation oh, no. in the
0: future. Now, now you're going to everyone's <laughs> buckling up. No one wants to just, give uh, away run, from a prop run, chair.
1: run. You know, if we ever, if we ever get to that, that inside level,
0: that was
2: poor
1: negotiation. No, i
2: poor. We'll, we'll set up a Patreon just for for those royalties. <laughs> yes, you will right.
1: have an intermediary.
0: <laughs> no, this was fun, guys. Yeah, thanks. Thanks again. Always, always. Um, Fun to chat with you
1: guys and I'm happy to do it anytime. Thanks. thanks. Yeah, yeah, this I'm was done. great. All right, I guess we should go get some dinner, right? It's yeah, dirty. It All right, well, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll catch you next time. Oh, <laughs> I did you
2: were still on for the dinner party. <laughs> we are, and peace.